Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are flat out in the middle of the preseason, preseason week number one, virtually in the books, preseason week number two, staring us in the face. This was the preseason week in which Andrew Luck made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Chris Brockman, correct? He did. He made the Hall of Fame, it right? Was, Didn't he, Chris Long? It was that, incredible. That was impressive. Oh, just one pass, and he went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's very can strange. We, can we call that a pass? It was a dump off to Donald Brown, who went to, who pretty much did the rest, 68 yards, and then Twitter exploded. Exploded. Uh, I guess 1,500 tweets about Andrew Luck's touchdown occurred within within moments. Right. Um, I, had, I had a few. I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to Me admit. too. Me too. Well, I had fun with it. I liked how they, uh, on, on Total Access yesterday, you guys, uh, well, not you guys, but uh, they, they showed Manning's first career yeah, preseason pa- pass. Yeah, because Peyton Manning's first career preseason pass was a slant to Marvin Harrison, who did the rest, 48 yes. yards. It was in Seattle. Uh, in the kingdom back in the day, this was at home for all the home folks, and they were jacked up in Indianapolis. So it was the it was the week that uh, that Andrew Luck um, made the Hall of Fame, and also the weekend in which it appears Chad Johnson's career is over. Oy. Oof! What a mess! That was a shock. Yeah, shock. I mean, because I mean, of everything that he's ever done, nev- the police have never been called in. Nope. I mean, all it was all just you know tweaking the commissioner, fun, right. doing his thing, OCNN. You know, silly, silly stuff. This, yep. this was a shocker. I'll tell you what. And 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 the Dolphins released him, and then VH1 released him. Yeah, eleven episodes of his of his of his reality show with his wife will of, never air. Of one month, by the way. And so all of that went right down the tubes. And according to the police report, he said that during the altercation he didn't care about his career. Well, I think his career just came to an end. It'll Which is unfortunate, to say the least. Because Chad, you know, Chad, and Chad's a smart guy. Chad is a smart guy. I know Peter King said that, and you know, some people were you know ripping him on Twitter because I know that because Peter always retweets people <laughs> who rip him the worst. <laughs> well, I always told Peter, I'm like, hey, you give somebody who's got five followers an eight hundred thousand follower platform by doing that, but he loves it. It's sort of I, I think it's therapeutic for, I think it for is PK. Too. But at any rate, um, he's Peter's right. Chad's a smart guy. He knows exactly the drill. I would say I would say it's tough to rush to judgment on this. But if oh, the facts are, are true, knows? then he's uh, well, it's he's just, in some trouble. <laughs> well, the Big bottom time. line is I don't know who's going to pick him up. I was going to say word he, out of Dolphins camp is he was not he was not distinguishing himself on the field. So it's now t minus three weeks to get it uh, to get in to get into a, a team before the season starts. Yep. Uh, Plexico is trying to catch on with a team, and he's he's saying, hey, you know, I'm 35 years old. I'm physically fit. If it's any of this other stuff that's happened before my career, let's talk about it. I mean, the Dolphins should have him on the phone yesterday. Didn't he have two, three touchdown games last year? Or he one? did. He then, then there were other times, but who knows what, what it was with that offense and with what was yeah. going on with the I don't the think you can, right. I but think, he's definitely a red zone threat. No doubt. Anybody 6'5". So, Chad goes to the back of that line that's got Plexico standing at the front of it. And Lee Evans now. Yep. You know? So, you know, that happened this weekend. Do you think this is going to be the most watched episode of Hard Knocks ever? I'm definitely watching it. And I hadn't watched the first one yet. You didn't? No. I'll be tuned in. Uh, But I did see, you know, everyone tweeting out the part where Chad said to the director of security, joking as he walked out the door, I'm going to get arrested this weekend. Yeah, and he did yeah. with his wife. Good lord! Oof. So you just never know. That's why this is the ultimate, NFL's the ultimate reality show. It really is. You just never know. You never know what the heck's going on with this league. And uh, now, um, you know, we're moving forward. 
half of August is almost in the books here, and we got this playing season coming up. We are, th- what, three and a half weeks away? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, September 5th. 20, 24 days. Can, I can't wait for the season well, to be here. Preseason's it's long. It's and, coming, my man. Drag, but it's the regular coming. season. So what we're going to do for the rest of this month um, is we're going to go hardcore football. Yes. Okay, we're going to go hardcore football. We're going to have a, a podcast uh, dedicated to one division and previewing it. Right, we got we've got uh, Brian Billick on this pro- a podcast. Excellent. He's going to do the AFC North. Who better than Brian Billick? Won a Super Bowl in the uh, um, in the division. Yes, actually, you know, was he was that a, it? Probably was the AFC Central back when he won it in two thousand. No, 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 no. no, no. It was the AFC North. It was the North and Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, Brian Billick is going to come on and talk about Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. And um, I guess we kind of have to talk about the Browns. Well, right? I mean, there's so much going on. Brandon Whedon gets the job, you know, handed to him. I mean, he may have earned it in whatever practices were going on in the first week, but um, you know, name the starter, and he goes three and nine. I mean, he did have one good throw. You can't you can't Trent draft. Richardson hurts his knee. I mean, good lord, but that 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 is not when the then the Browns had that night, uh, that Thursday night in Radio City. You got your running back, got your quarterback, that after preseason week number one, quarterback would have the job already handed to him in a game in which Colt McCoy outplayed him. Again, we, you know, I know he's against twos, and Whedon was against the ones of the Lions. But are, you su- are you surprised he was named the starter? I mean, yes, a, a absolutely. 20, but a 28-year-old guy, you absolutely. can't develop him for three years or it's, he has a- Well, no, no, no. I mean, so, so let, him, let him start preseason game number one, get McCoy in there. And they get McCoy in there for preseason start number two. I feel, I feel and then and then McCoy. and then name him and then name him in the middle of it. Yeah. But I know I know they already went ahead and I think they saw enough out of Colt McCoy over the last couple of years. I guess I don't know, I don't know. But I mean, to do it before he even takes a preseason snap number one, and then he looks like that. He didn't look terrible, but at times he did. Yeah. And then and then Trent Richardson wasn't even around in preseason week number one because he's he's convalescing from a trip to Doctor James Andrews' surgical room. And 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 I mean, who'd have thought that would have been the state of Richardson and Whedon after preseason week number one? Well, right? like you said, the Back three names you never want to hear: Doctor James and Andrews. Yep. Richardson very rarely not, it doesn't very rarely go. Richardson well. may not be around for a while either. Well, I mean, we'll ask Billick about that, but you've got a figure. I mean, on the day we're taping this, the Monday of preseason week number one leading into preseason week number two, the morning of the Cowboys-Raiders game. Yes. And um, uh, Pat Shermer in his press conference said, Richardson's back with the team. He's rehabbing with us. Asked if there's a timetable on his return. He had a one-word answer. The word was nope. That's not a timetable for a turn. Now, we're sitting here, um, what, uh, it's it's August the thirteenth. Their yes. first game is September 9th. Okay, their first game September 9th, The Browns, and it's against the Eagles. What do you think Richardson's going to be ready for? You think he'll be ready? Uh, ready? Yeah. And how many snaps? So it's it's that. Well, we'll preview the division with with Brian Billick. Uh, Michael Lombardi will preview a couple divisions for us. We're working some on some other top notch analysts to uh, to to help us out with that. And we're also going to have a flat out. Fantasy, fantasy podcast as where well. do you draft a trent richardson with this knee injury he's a second third round pick we'll have the guys from fantasy live on our you just had a pet you just did a pet peeve of mine oh yeah Uh-oh. yeah and Uh-oh. i think billick is gonna he's sort of a Uh-oh. he does a similar thing too maybe maybe a pet peeve of mine is where do you draft a trent richardson what do you mean by that uh, or where do you draft trent richardson where do you draft a, a, a type like that a guy who a, is a guy so, so Trent Richardson is a shorthand for highly touted, highly drafted rookie rookie running back who's hurt no. <laughs> three weeks before. Like I'm just talking, for that just guy, an injured, I mean, an injured guy. Well, in where do you draft Trent Richardson? All right, fair enough. But I meant like like an Adrian <laughs> that's a pet peeve of mine. Okay, where do you draft Adrian Peterson again? A guy that is injured just came off the pup list is gonna right. play, but right. okay. All right, I see. Where do you draft Adrian Peterson? Here. A guy, and then you describe who that guy is not. And Adrian, where do you draft it's an Adrian like, Peterson? As far as I know, there's only, there's one, only one Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Peterson. It's like it's like when analysts and everyone does it. Everybody does it. A lot say, of people do it. When you talk about a guy like that's how they start. A guy when, like when you, Tom Brady. When you talk about a guy, a guy like, like Tom, Tom Brady, or, or are you talking about Tom yeah, Brady? I see where you're going with that. Fair enough. Good. That's good, all. Good, it's good. a pet peeve. You're not talking about injury. I got a knee. Well, right. I have two. But 
But when you're talking about a guy like Brockman, <laughs> uh, Chris what is underscore a guy? Brockman. There's only one. There's only one Chris, one underscore, Chris underscore Brockman. Brockman. There, is a, there is a Chris Brockman. There is a Chris Brockman. Is he still squatting no, no, at Chris Brockman? Doesn't tweet since three no, years ago. Chris Law. Let's get, let's get our guy... Um, Let's get our guy, our ace in the hole of this podcast, Alex Ali, on that. Let's get him on that. I like that idea. We're going to clear up do you, Chris do, Law. Let's too, put man. it this way. Do you want at Chris Brockman right now? If, if, if it is offered to you or you feel that the underscore is part of your identity. That's true. I, I got to think, think about, about it. I got to think about this. Because you may want that underscore back. How much you once you go once you go once you go, you go, you go underscore would you ever go to the DMV once you and go try underscore no because or or he could do he could do he could do what, Corolla Corolla and oh, get your your middle name yeah, but I have what is your middle I have name? a middle name what is it Allen Christopher Allen yeah, Brockman C A B you're cab I'm a cab he's cab so can you get it legally go from cab to cub I mean. <laughs> I don't so know. <laughs> well, was Alan like? Are you named after your grandfather? Is it going to insult anyone so. in your family? If no, you, no if absolutely you lose not. Alan? I mean, it would it would insult at Brockman Mary if I probably changed my middle name. Really, your mom would be yeah. Perhaps. How would that conversation go if you call your mom Mary up and say, "Hey, Mary, uh, mom, mom, uh, hey mom, hey mom, uh, I know you know you thought about it and and it's been part of my life, but I'm I'm changing my middle name from Alan." To underscore. To underscore. You know what she'll How say to me? I, this is what she's going to say to me. Huh? What's underscore? Mm. Nice. I, well, actually, it's 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 I shift it's shift hyphen on your <laughs> <Right>. keyboard. <laughs> You're the key. It's <laughs> shift. Just go to keyboard. Look at the hyphen okay. and hit shift. Shift, and, and that's an underscore. Hit, that's yeah. yeah. That's your underscore. Um, but we will have the guys from Fantasy Live on it. Ah, yes. No, bring, bring it back. Bring night. it back. So. So yeah. we got uh, Damashek. We're gonna have Damashek. We'll have Fabiano on. We got do a little got bit. A, of a, do we got a, a political reasons? Do we got to? Do we got to bring them all in? Do we bring them all in? I I can't. I can't. I cannot have this an issue. Cross pollination. We're talking about it. We're talking. I mean, do we? Do we just? Who do we? Do who do we get? I mean, we could. The, the whole lineup this year for Fantasy Live is there's those so many two. guys. Right, there's like seven. Right, there's like eight. Right, we got Akbar, uh, Gabaja, Biamila. In. Yeah. So the admiral. By the uh, way, that's it's, it's it's a silent G. It's, it's a silent. It's, it's Akbar Baja Biamila. Oh, well, you know, I'm, okay. I, I want to be phonetically sound. So admiral. I appreciate right. Okay, no problem. We, we call him the admiral. Well, when you've got a guy, when you've got an Akbar yes. Baja Biamila, yes. What do you do with an Akbar Baja uh, he, Biamila? He's a, he, he or knows what his fantasy. You, okay. Yeah, uh, I know where you're going with that. You're mocking me. I appreciate <laughs> it. I was trying to just play on with it. He was going to fight through. I was going to fight through. Gonna fight right through. Know it, but I couldn't. You can't it. fight through. I couldn't. Okay, um, right. Who, we have Jamie Maggio this year. She's going to be doing some Fantasy Live. Is she the host of She Fantasy is going Live? to be a host a few days of the week. Okay. And then um, Jason Smith, Matt Money Smith. Yeah. And that's the whole. That's the whole. Okay. So we on. got. It. Elliot Harrison and Adam Rank, too. I okay. I mentioned them. Okay, so we how, how many? What, what, how do how do I'll we check get? their availabilities, and uh, I'm sure that do we have all right, chairs so you're gonna, in here? I don't think we do. But uh, as, be as I mentioned, next week we're we're all going to be in, not all of us, but myself and three of the guys are going to be in New York for Fantasy Draft Week. Yes, which if you're in New York City, you can definitely get tickets and come. You can have your your fantasy parties draft there. Go to uh, NFL.com/slash/FantasyDraftWeek. Or check out oneiota.com for tickets for sure. Okay. But those guys will be talking about that and then just going over some draft strategy. Where do you draft a Trent Richardson? Where do you draft Trent Richardson? There you go. I am yes. not going to be drafting Trent Richardson in my this year. Yeah, you're going to bring bring back MJD. My though? poor nephew already had his draft. I have a drafted him in the second but round. Who drafts this early? I don't know. I, have I don't a, know how they do it. I have I a keeper conundrum do. that maybe I'll a have to keeper ask. Keeper conundrum. Keeper conundrum. Okay. Involving friend of the podcast, Maurice Jones-Drew. Mm. Yes. Mm. But, um, okay. so yeah, that'll be next week, and we'll have more to come yes, with. We're going to get come. Lombardi on, hopefully. And we can, uh, the TV show, once the season begins, yes. only comes back in a one-hour special form. Yes. Um, it won't be every week, because there's just no way for me to travel to all these Thursday night games and do the TV show. So we're going to have a one-hour special, the one-hour kickoff special. Yes. Because we can't call it the Rich Eisen special because it sounds like a sandwich. Well, it's already taken. There's a Rich Eisen Isn't special a, down in the puck. Yeah, it pucks. Oh, it's called the Rich special. Oh, it's called the Rich special. Tell people what it, what it all is Well, it's vegetables. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's broccoli and carrots and spinach all mixed together with a marinara sauce. And if you want to add diced chicken, you may. 
Very nice. Sounds good. That's very healthy. Better than the sap wrap. The sap wrap is, is, is you know, I've, I've had a Sanchini. The Sanchini, which the is Sanchini. delicious. That was Sanchini the famous, that was born out of the lockout and yeah. the boredom of Mark Struggling. Sanchez coming in here. <laughs> during the lockout. Um, so, yeah, September, Thursday, September 6th, the night after the season begins, 10 p.m. Eastern time, a uh, one-hour special with guests already, already pouring in. Great. Pouring in. Can't wait for that. Uh, to be announced later on, and they will all be interviewed in podcast form. So... Audio-wise, you will hear the full interviews. It'll be just like the regular TV show in, the, in that respect. Right. It will just be an hour. Right. But it'll be an hour long uh, to, celebrate, to celebrate the kickoff. And then I think the next one after that will be Thanksgiving yep. and so on and so forth. And we'll be promoting the heck out of that. Um, and so on the other side of our conversation with Brian Billick, we'll, we'll – uh, want to give away a Punters or People t-shirt? Absolutely. We'll do it. Great idea. We'll do it. Um and um, and talk about some other items that are probably on your chest. But right now, let's let's get to our first of eight division previews here on the podcast. Coach Brian Billick joining us now to hit us, as we uh, said moments before, uh, on the AFC North. But before we do, Coach, I want to hit you up on uh, a couple of uh, items that we saw in the first week of the preseason and ask you right off the bat, how breathless should we be about Andrew Luck's first performance in his first preseason Well, that was game? spectacular, right? I mean, anybody's got – got to be very careful about slamming guys in the Hall of Fame after one preseason <laughs> game. And, how about one pass? How about, yeah. one, how about one dump off inside screen pass to Donald Brown? Yeah, we, we do tend to rush to judgment. But what I think is what got, has got everybody so excited is obviously there was a great deal of buildup about Andrew Luck and all the things that he is and we think he will be. But there's also the qualifier that it's Indianapolis. It's going to be a long process. You know, we're going to have to cut this guy some slack. And then he comes out and does what he did in, in that first preseason game. Um, I hope he can follow it up pretty, pretty quickly because the expectations just went through the roof. He just did things you didn't expect to see a rookie quarterback do, even all but a first preseason game. Give, give me some examples. Like what? What did you see out of him that a, a rookie quarterback in his first preseason game? Well, the thing uh, that jumped out to me, you know the physical tools are there. That's never the issue. You, you know that they're, those are going to exist. But he, there, was no, there was no rush in this guy. He just seemed, for a rookie, to be extremely comfortable with what was going on around him. And, and keep in mind now, uh, and I'm, it's a little bit of a stretch here, but it's almost worse in a preseason game. You don't spend a lot of time preparing for an opponent in a preseason game, mainly because you really don't know what you're going to get. It could be a team that's a predominantly zoned team, but they decide they're going to blitz every down just to practice it. I, was, I have the, the uh, Baltimore Ravens in Detroit this week, and I'm looking at the Baltimore game uh, uh, when they opened up against Atlanta, and they were almost no huddle the whole game. Well, that's not what Baltimore does, but it's what they wanted to work on, and there's no way Atlanta could have been prepared for that. So to see Andrew Luck come in, uh, and perform the way he did, really, and particularly with you know playing the Rams. So it's a new team. You, you don't have a lot of film to draw on. You don't know what it is they're going to do. You would you would have certainly understood if a rookie went in there and was you know erratic in the pocket, fumbled around at the line of scrimmage a little bit, bounced a couple balls in because he was unsure about what he was seeing, and you just didn't see that in Andrew Luck. And uh, RG three uh, in. Buffalo on Thursday night of preseason week number one, he looked similarly um, calm. He looked like, he looked in control, and he certainly, uh, from just the first preseason game, seems to have uh, a relationship with Pierre Garçon that uh, that that should, I, from what it could seem, again first blush, that should get Redskins fans a little bit excited. Is that would you agree oh, with that? And again, I think it goes to stereotypes, but, but those that have seen RG3 know better. But given his circumstances and coming in, you know, typically a rookie quarterback, you, particularly of that athletic ability, you kind of figure the first game he's going to spend the first game running around a great deal. And he, he will impress you more that way than actually with some of his throws. Uh, but like an Andrew Luck, it, the game was not too big for him, and he seemed very, very comfortable you know he only had a handful of throws i would have liked to seen them you know play him a bunch more because he's going to need those reps they actually kind of treated him like a veteran you know a true starter okay let's go a couple series and and uh uh and and then go from there i would have liked to have seen him play a whole lot more 
But with what he did, I mean, it was four or six or 70 yards, nothing necessary to write home about, but it just didn't seem too big for him. Mm-hmm. And then the issue with Peyton Manning uh, and his arm strength, I mean, there was one throw that he had to Eric Decker where he threw from the opposite hash to the opposite sideline. That looked fine. He he um, he sh- shrugged off a holding penalty that knocked the team out of the red zone to get them back in the red zone, and then, of course, his the interception that ended his night. Overall, though, what you saw to Peyton Manning, is that is that the first step that you were looking for in evaluation of whether oh, he's the guy? absolutely. You know, keep in mind now, Peyton never has looked smooth in the pocket. You know, uh, if you were to take another quarterback that obviously his mechanics are much more fluid and, and you would have come back and seen something different uh, in, in this first game, it might have been a concern. But Peyton Manning's always had that kind of stilted, you know, hyperkinetic, almost a jerkish release. Um, that so it's kind of hard to see if if, it, if if there is a difference or not. But he sure certainly looked like the Peyton Manning of old. If not, just he looked healthy, and that's the big key right here. We know he's going to be fine. You know he's going to get that offense wrapped around what he wants to get done. But he looked healthy, and that was a first big step. Mm-hmm. And now, what about the Jets? Um, we because they didn't they didn't do what we're, they're going to do in the first preseason game. I guess the, the the construct of a preseason game allowed them to keep the whole Tebow package under wraps because it, you know the first string quarterback goes in here, second string quarterback goes in there. They wanted to see what Tebow can do, and and so we didn't see anything. Um, now that said, it appears that Rex Ryan, uh, coach who you know very well, is making the Wildcat a referendum. That a lot of people are um, are 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 automatically saying that this Tebow experiment is not going to work, and he's saying, "Hey, listen, the the Wildcat is there to make defenses think all week in the same manner in which we had to think in our short week last year when Tebow ripped us apart in the final drive of the game." But he's saying that this is they're the only guys in the league who believe this about the Wildcat, and the rest of the world is going to see. And on Monday, they practiced it for the first time in front of the media and made a big deal out of letting the media see the Tebow package firsthand, telling them they can't tweet or talk about most of it. So now I hand this to you and say, what are the Jets doing? What are they well, doing? I'm, I'm glad Rex, uh, his, his, his proclamation that he was going to make fewer proclamations. He was going <laughs> to make fewer guarantees. First off, it's a bit of a misnomer. Tim Tebow doesn't run the Wildcat. The Wildcat is, is, is by de- definition, is putting a non-quarterback in a position to run the ball and do some different things. Tim Tebow is a legitimate quarterback. Make no mistake about that. You can call it something else. It's not the Wildcat offense. It's an offense that has a quarterback that is a legitimate running threat. I w- you wouldn't call Michael Vick a Wildcat quarterback. So I think it's a misnomer to begin with. The problem that I see... And it's all but a preseason game. So, again, we, every year we make the same mistake, and we rush to judgment based on a preseason game. But what we saw was a Tim Tebow, who was not terribly effective, but it did give them a little juice on a night where the offense looked wholly anemic. And so it begins. You know, it was all, hey, no, Mark Sanchez is our starting quarterback. Tebow's here for a specific purpose. This is not going to be an issue. And here we are with just the first friggin' preseason game, and it already begins. Well, Sanchez is ineffective. The offense isn't very good. So we're going to have to go with Tim Tebow if we think we're going to be good enough. It has already begun. It has already begun. But they all say it's going to work out and that uh, and that it, it, that that we could scoff all we want. But but whatever we do call it, the Wildcat package or what have you, it is completely different from what they'll run with Sanchez, right? I mean, they're going to switch gears right in the middle of drives, depending on field position, depending on momentum, perhaps. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the issue we have said from the get-go, Rich, when we've talked about this on air and off, is not that no one can question that Tim Tebow adds a dimension to the team and can give you something that's a little special, just by the very nature that you're doing it. The question became, can you bring a Tim Tebow in if you have a legitimate presence at quarterback? And this is kind of answering it because they obviously don't believe 
that Mark Sanchez is that legitimate presence at quarterback. You would not, I mean, if you name the top ten quarterbacks in this league, whoever list, and I'm not talking just the Bradys and the Breezes and the Mannings and, and the Rodgers and the like, I'm talking about when you get to whether it be a Joe Flacco in Baltimore, whether it's a Matt Ryan in Atlanta, uh, Matt Schaub in Houston, uh, a, a Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Go down, go down that list. Even you're at nine, by the way, right now. Yeah, <laughs> you just anybody, mentioned nine right there. Would anybody take them off the field in a critical situation? Of course not. So that in itself defines their view of Mark Sanchez. So indeed, if that's what it is, they're, they're not proclaiming it that. But if that's what it is, well, then that's fair. You've got a guy that's less than effective at quarterback. So that's exactly where Tim Tebow can fit in, then absolutely, that is exactly what you have. But to pretend that, no, 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 we've got a legitimate guy. We've got a, uh, not an elite, but a, you know, an approaching elite or a growing guy. He is our guy. We can win with this guy. The, the two don't connect. Brian, one of my favorite parts of our uh, Hall of Fame coverage um, last week in Canton, or two weeks ago now, was when Joe Namath came on our set. And Marshall Falk asked Joe, you're in the huddle. You're calling a play. And suddenly you feel a tap on your butt and you turn around. It's the backup quarterback. It's Tim Tebow saying, it's my turn. What do you do? And Namath pauses and he goes, well, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I send his butt right back to those. That's what he said. Well, that just, that just wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's coming. I mean, that day is that day is coming for Sanchez. Didn't happen preseason week one, but it, it we'll, we'll see how they work the package in in a preseason game, if they may do it in the, the dress rehearsal week three or just save it for the Buffalo Bills to wonder what it looks like in week one. Before I get to the AFC North preview with you, uh, the, the issue of replacement refs, what is your head coaching community thinking right now? I mean, most of them aren't saying anything. Belichick um, did basically damn them. Uh, by by praising Mike Pereira, the former VP of officiating, who has since gone on uh, into the paparazzi with all of us, uh, you he's part of uh, your Fox Sports uh, football world as well, uh, where, where he was very critical of these replacement refs. And Belichick said, "Well, I agree with 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 Pereira, but you know, I, I'm really not saying anything else because I can only control what I can control, et cetera, et cetera." What is going on in the coaching community right now? Is it appears that we're going to see replacement refs for sure in week number two of this preseason. Yeah, publicly they're going to do just what they're supposed to do. Because keep in mind, the officials' issue with the NFL is issue with management, and management is owners. Uh, even though it, there's, there's multiple layers here, and it's just like in the collective bargain agreements, um, Roger Goodell did a great job of being that lightning rod. You never heard the players going after the owners, criticizing the owners for this. They criticized Roger Goodell, and that's what Roger's job was for. Um, likewise here, you're not, you're not going to hear coaches criticize these officials in a way that will draw the ire of the owners. Certainly, it is a concern. Now, I will say this, having looked at the games that I've looked at, um, this is not like in 2001 when we had to rush those guys in where they were just basically mortified to make a call. There are going to be errors. There's going to be judgment errors. But let's remember, there are judgment errors with the regular crew as well. Uh, it's not like we're going from a zero, a zero to ten scale where the, the regular officials, I'm talking about from the outside perception, uh, were absolutely perfect and never made wrong judgment calls. I mean, just go back to any given season and the furor about, oh, we've got to make them full time and they're screwing up the game, we've got to add another guy. So we're not starting at zero in this assessment, if the regular officials on a scale from 0 to 10, 10 being the worst, uh, on any given week a fan will tell you, ah, oh, they're 4 or 5, well, these guys might be 6, 7, or 8, which is not good. Uh, and we are going to get it done. Here is my bigger concern, because the coaches are going to say, okay, look, they're, they'll get better, and it is what it is, and we're all in the same playing field. Uh, you know, there's nobody that doesn't want the regular officials back. Here's my biggest concern. This is going to get done. Every labor dispute eventually gets settled. 13th hour, and too. Last typical, minute. Typical with the league, it's probably going to be 11th hour, yep. and it's probably going to go through the preseason. I have a legitimate concern for the opening week of the season where these officials who haven't had the offseason they normally do, haven't had the training sessions they normally do, I'm talking about the regular guys now, haven't had a preseason, now they're going to be mistakes made in the opening weekend with the regular guys because they haven't been in that routine. I'm not going to say it will be as bad as with the replacements, but there's going to be there's going to be an effect to this because of how long this gets drawn out. I've been on the whole 
fairly impressed with the replacements. Hmm. Interesting, because um, if if this thing goes to week one and we see stuff that we saw in week one of the preseason that sort of got shrugged off, ah, it's week one of the preseason, like uh, I believe in the Buffalo-Washington game as Peter King put in his Monday morning quarterback uh, uh, for for um, uh, on a punt, guy calls for a fair catch at the four, he throws his beanbag down at the four-yard line and then signals touchback, and and they had to review that. That happens in a regular season game? Yeah, yeah, it's going I to mean, be. I mean, are the, you the kidding me? biggest concern in terms of the judgment. But even little stuff like that. Not holding as a pass interference, not pass interference. That's not going to be that big an issue because the regular officials get criticized for that. It's the administration, the sure. basic administration of the game that we have taken granted for so long. My biggest problem with the replacements in 2001, you know, and I jumped the officials like everybody. There were some things going on. That I made the point. Look, I don't. I don't care where you came from. Pee Wee High School, Division One, Division Two. That's illegal. There, a guy jumps offside. <laughs> yes. Okay, that was illegal at your level as well. Why don't you call that? They were intimidated in terms of not wanting to make the wrong call. This group, obviously, with the advanced training they've had, will be better than what we had in two thousand one. But clearly, they're not as good as the regular officials. Right. All right. Then let's move to. Uh... Back, uh, speaking of 2001, let's start with your, your old team in terms of previewing this year's 2012 division uh, and the AFC North. And let's start with the Baltimore Ravens, who were a Lee Evans drop away from getting to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, and it should also be noted this week that Lee Evans was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars with three weeks to go left in the preseason. But at any rate, uh, when you, do you think that the Ravens are the class of this division still? I don't think there's any question. You know, obviously, you, you begin with the quarterback, the confidence, the increased confidence they have in a Joe Flacco. Um, offensively, there seems to be concerns about the offensive line. And legitimately, you got a, you know, an older guy in Matt Burke at, at uh, center. Uh, Brian McKinney's kind of in and out of camp. He's older at left tackle. But they're going to be, you know, Michael Orr can go to right or left tackle. Uh, they drafted uh, – Kalichi Osemele out of Iowa State, who I really liked out of the draft. He can play guard or tackle. They're going to be okay in the offensive line. And, and they've got a solid presence at receiver, obviously, uh, with, uh, with uh, Ray Rice, who I thought was the number one when we went through the top 100 players in the league and all that for my money. He was the number one back nope. because of what he no does, kidding. both in terms of the running game and the passing game. Hmm. So I think, um, I think they're going to be better than they were last year offensively. Defensively becomes the issue. The loss of Terrell Suggs was huge. Uh, You've got to know Ray Lewis at some point, God knows when, <laughs> at some point he's going to begin to fall off a little bit. The same with Ed Reed. They actually feel pretty good about their secondary. I think a lot of people are questioning that given the secondary they've had, uh, if they don't get quite the same pass rush because they're without uh, Terrell Suggs, uh, they feel like their secondary is going to be good enough. They're going to be freed up to do some of the multiple things they've done over the years and get pressure on you with the scheme to where they think they can hold up on the secondary. So I, think, I don't think there's any question that they're the class of the AFC North. What do you make of the Flacco cam cameron issues that just seem to just never go away that cam cameron is going to run his offense and flacco isn't suited for it and that's all you hear out of baltimore that's all you hear out of the mid-atlantic and you know zorn was there and then zorn wasn't there and flacco was upset about that and it's cam cameron's offense and come heck or high water flacco's going to have to learn it and he's not comfortable in it is this legitimate for a concern uh, in that regard, the way you've stated it, no, because I think Joe is comfortable in the offense. I think what people are taking is typically when you have a very productive quarterback, there's a certain relationship with the coordinator that there's a love affair there. I'll go to the Drew Brees, uh, Sean Payton, you know, separated hip at birth type of deal. There's typically a relationship where these guys really – enjoy one another, they get along, they like one another, and there's an empathy there to where the, it, it lends to a level of productivity. That does not exist in Baltimore with Cam Cameron and Joe Flacco. Now, does that mean that Joe can't work with Cam or work within the system and they can't be successful? By all means, they can do that. They're, that, that lack of camaraderie and that love affair that we typically see between a quarterback and a coordinator does not exist, and that's where I think people – 
extrapolate out, hey, Joe Joe doesn't like the offense, they're not using him right, and there's problems here. So uh, a strength of this team, I say, what's the strength of this team? You say Ray Rice, that's it? That's the strength of this team? Um, out of, know, on both sides of the ball. a good combination. They actually feel good about the receiving core as well. With Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith has come on, the strength is still going to be defense, make no mistake. As long as Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are there, that's still going to be the focus and the leadership of any team. They have taken a hit with Terrell Suggs, and the question remains to be seen. If they aren't quite as good, they'll be good, but if they're not as dominant on defense as they've been, can the offense pick up mm-hmm. the slack? And instead of winning 17-10, can this offense on a consistent basis, if need be, win 24-21? So you're saying the strength may also be its greatest weakness, the front seven, depending on Absolutely. the loss of Suggs. They're going to have to. I don't know that, that, that. Keep in mind now, when you're talking about basing an offense around uh, Haloti Nada inside, pro bowler, Terrell Suggs coming off the edge, pro bowler, a middle linebacker who's going to walk into the Hall of Fame, Ray Lewis, and a safety that's going to walk into the Hall of Fame, Ed Reed, you, you can wrap a lot around that of varying quality and, and be pretty good. Well, you've taken away a key element and sucks, so it's like, it's like a puzzle. You take away that piece, and all of a sudden, it does fray around the edge. Loss of Jared Johnson, who went to San Diego, who was kind of a real anchor opposite Suggs. He's gone as well. So this is going to be a different-looking front seven for the Baltimore Ravens. What about the Steelers now? Let's move to them. Uh, Big Ben, in his first preseason week, looked like he was running for his life again. And uh, they did, however, um, they did <laughs> unwrap Chris Rainey. <laughs> and uh, I know I, we sort of mentioned it on our on our live broadcast that they really have never had a running back like him, and we got media tweets. Well, what about Willie Parker? His nickname was Fast Willie Parker, but Chris Rainey seems to have a totally different gear based on what we're usually seeing out of Pittsburgh. This offense, what what will it be? As we are talking. Uh, um, and currently talking with Mike Wallace still uh, on the shelf because he's not coming into report. Yeah, Mike Wallace will get there, and that's a big element for it. I was concerned about the Steelers for a number of reasons going into this offseason. That defense is indeed getting older. Uh, offensively, uh, the lack of the running game, um, the offensive line in transition, their, their draft choices. I thought David DeCastro was an excellent pickup in the draft. Uh, uh, Mike Adams. Um, uh, uh, is again another solid big kid out of Ohio State. So I was, I kind of came back around going, you know what, and the way Ben does it, the Steelers are going to be fine. They're taking a few hits here. Obviously, if Rainey can indeed step up. Um, oddly enough, and here's the biggest transition Mike Tomlin. Now, you're talking about a Super Bowl winning coach who's done a phenomenal job. But Mike Tomlin, and this is odd to say of a coach that's been there for six years, this is the first big coaching decision Mike Tomlin's had to make because he came in. He inherited a Super Bowl-winning quarterback with a Hall of Fame coordinator in Dick LeBeau and a longtime proven veteran offensive coordinator that had been there for a long time in Bruce Arians. Well, so that was in place when he came. Well, Arians is gone, and he's hired Todd Haley. So this is the first real coaching decision that we're going to see that kind of transition, and Todd Haley's going to do it a little bit differently. So uh, the Steelers are hard for me to make out where I was really concerned and might have even put him third in the AFC North Hmm. at the end of the season. I kind of moved him back up after the draft, but I'm not sure I'm not moving them back. I think they're having to face a lot of things right now. Uh, So I think there's a lot of questions for the Steelers. But can't Big Ben uh, have – he does – in the, in the you know you mentioned all those quarterbacks earlier on and and Big Ben was definitely uh, not one that you mentioned before. That said, isn't he the type of guy that could maybe put the team on his back with oh, the, with the weapons? And make no mistake, uh, he, I I consider Ben Roethlisberger an elite quarterback. I really do. He, he does more in in a different way than than a lot of quarterbacks. I absolutely believe he's elite quarterback and he belongs in that group. Sure. Now, having said that, we know he's a pretty good drama queen. <laughs> and, and has already started with the shoulder, and I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, so we're already starting that way. I think they will protect him better. And you're right. If Rainey can give them another dimension and really something, a running game that they can rely more on, you still are getting a little old on the defensive side. But if anybody can pull this group together, certainly a Ben Roethlisberger is that guy that can do it. Hmm. Interesting. So you think the Bengals have passed them? Do you think the Bengals uh, have passed I had them to in this pick division? Right now, now there's a lot to be done, and obviously injury 
and it's not so much how they play, but what, 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 is their, what is their physical state to start the season. And I'll do a power rating like everybody else does. Um, and, and I go back and forth. I think the Bengals are going to be pretty good uh, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, think about what they did, what Andy Dalton did with no offseason, starting as a rookie. He now has an entire offseason. Jay Gruden's done a phenomenal job, as has done Mike Zimmer, the defensive coordinator, with a lot of missing parts. They were without a secondary last year. I think they're poised to, I don't know that, that I would say they're necessarily going to challenge or supersede Baltimore, but I think clearly they, they're in a position to make it head-to-head. I would be hard-pressed right now to bet one way or the other who's going to be second and third, whether it's Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Well, Cincinnati has an opportunity to serve notice right off the bat because Cincinnati and Baltimore open against each other. Absolutely, absolutely. That's and this a huge is, this week one game, huge. A good football. Now, they took a bunch of hits the other night. You know, like yeah, I said, did. injury is man, always oh, going to be the factor. Uh, and, and, and how they – but I think their commitment to the running game will stay consistent. You've got to assume Andy Dalton is going to be better. They get uh, Jordan Shipley back in the slot to go with A.J. Green, Grisham at tight end. So they have some pretty good pieces here that are more mature. You just have to assume that they're going to be better. Uh, got Ben Jarvis, uh, uh, Green Ellis in. So, again, they're, they're, they're going to want to stay committed to the running game. Uh, they picked up uh, Kirk Patrick in the secondary. Uh, they picked up in the offensive line Zeitler from Wisconsin. When was the last time a Wisconsin lineman? Not good. Right. Uh, so they did some things that, again, not spectacular, but in typical Bengal fashion, I think they're going to be right there. i got to tell you, Coach, I loved the Ben Jarvis-Green-Ellis pickup because he is – I don't want to jinx him because every time I say it, it, it does sound like a jinx. The guy's never fumbled. And when I say never, never. He has never lost a fumble in the National Football League. And on top of it, he's never really gotten a chance because of where he was with Brady at the controls of that offense, that pass-first, spread-him-out offense. He's really never gotten the opportunity to be a 20-25 carry guy in weather like Cincinnati, right? Um, and I know what New England's cold, but he's never really had that 20-25 to carry opportunity. He's intriguing. He could really take this team to a different dimension in that respect. And look look at the Bengals schedule. As you mentioned, they're at Baltimore so that's a heavy order. But they then have Cleveland, Washington, Jacksonville, Miami, and Cleveland again. They, can make some hay. they could get on a run here for that young team that continues to coalesce. They then play Pittsburgh. If they can, let's say they make that run like on paper here, I, not too many people I don't think wouldn't question Cincinnati's a better team than the ones we just mentioned Cleveland, Washington, Jacksonville, Miami, and Cleveland again. If they can just split with Baltimore and Pittsburgh in that first half of the season, uh, they're getting a run on this thing where it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think they can be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And um, so let's then hit Cleveland because we mentioned it. (laughs) Well, they are in the division. And uh, we will see them uh, week four of our Thursday night football, Cleveland at Baltimore. And um, uh, you mentioned earlier on when we talked about Luck and RG3, uh, about a, a rookie that, that looked a bit shaky in, in his first preseason start. Brandon Whedon was that. I mean, he did, he did have a couple of good throws, but uh, all in all, two turnovers, fumble on a sack, and also uh, an interception. And Pat Shermer said it before the games even started that he's the guy. I mean, it was over. There was no competition. That's it. I know they traded up to get him. But what do you make of that decision on the uh, on the part of the Browns and how that might play out in 2012? Well, I, I think if you take a guy with the 22nd pick, you have said this is going to be the guy. We, and, and, and how many iterations of restarting has Cleveland gone through over the last decade? And, and so uh, I'm sure Mike Holmgren would have preferred to do this in his first year, but it's not. It's the third year of the Holmgren regime, yes. second year for Pat Shermer the changes that are going on there, and even additional now because of the ownership change, we don't even know what that's gonna, how it's going to manifest itself. When they took Brandon Whedon with the 22nd pick, by definition, that means we're all in. So I applaud that they're doing that. Is there going to be a price to be paid for a rookie quarterback who's playing on a less-than-average team? Absolutely. It's going to be a long year. The Cleveland Browns of 2013 will be very glad that they started Brand Wheaton through the entire 2012 season, but it's likely to be painful. Uh, and so the way this goes and the uncertainty of the organization now is, 
is what's going to happen with Holmgren, what's going to happen with Sherman. Mm. The whole, it's just, it's a very difficult situation. It's difficult as much as it is for a rookie, but to now come in and be with a group that has that kind of tenuousness to it, as opposed to coming in with the first year head coach, you, know, you look at what's going on in Indianapolis. Okay, come hell or high water, they know Chuck Pagano is going to be the coach going forward. We're going to suffer through this together, but we're starting on the ground floor and building. That's a different scenario than what Brandon Wheaton's dealing with in Cleveland. And then Trent Richardson hurts his knee. I mean, he's rehabbing it with the team right now, so at least he's back with the team and he's with team doctors and, and they're through it in terms of the surgical procedure. But you can't help but think, I mean, how can this kid run uh, by week one or even be up to snuff by even week four, right? I mean, we're not doctors. We don't – I mean, we're not James Andrews here, but just common sense will tell you that. Yeah, it goes along with what I'm saying. The decisions that you make this year in Cleveland are all with 2013 in mind. And the fans don't want to hear that because they've been hearing it for better than a decade, <laughs> uh, along with the Buffalo maybe the most uh, inept – uh, uh, you know, decade of anybody in the league, uh, and and the fans don't want to hear that. But those decisions have to be made for the long term interest, whether it's Brandon Wheaton, whether it's Trent Richardson. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach. So uh, I guess uh, dollars to donuts here. Ravens win the division. What you're saying? Yeah, they do. And and I'm I'm going to say that whoever. Uh, Cleveland and, and Cincinnati. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stick my neck out just yet because you don't pay me enough for these podcasts. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh or Cincinnati? You mean? Yeah. Pitt, what did I say? So you said uh, Cleveland. Anyway, get Cleveland on the brand. Yeah, I, I still think one of those two will be in the playoffs. I still think at least two teams will come out of the NFC or excuse me, the AFC North for the playoff. Not sure, and it could be the third. Uh, like, uh, but but uh, I think definitely uh, one of the wild card teams will come out of the AFC North. Okay. Do you, so are you are you saying you're vastly underpaid in terms of this podcast? Is that what you're, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I, do, I do pay my, you z- my quota of cigars, I guess. So I'm I'm holding back on here. A little no, bit. no, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. I I, I can uh, we we can we can work something out here. I mean, I I I greatly appreciate you know your time and and thoughts, Coach. Hello. Yes, I'm here. You there? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done. You, no. know, you only get so much. I'm like that player that's going to hold out during training. You know, I'm just going to hold He's back. Jones drewing no, us. No, you're Jones drewing us. All right, Coach, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Brian Billick, everybody. Love that guy. No love for the Cleveland Browns. No, or, or, you or, know, the, or, the, or what we're paying him for the podcast. Yeah. Well, that, was, that was what we call a pregnant pause in the business right there. You'll, but, uh, you'll leave an autographed copy of Total Access on his I'm sure that'll make up for it. Nice. But I love that guy. He is hardcore, and he knows his stuff, and he's great. He's great, and he will join us on another podcast in the next uh, days to preview the NFC North. Yes. Um, He he mentioned to you about the – you know, you guys were talking about the starting quarterbacks for the Browns. Uh, Did a little little research here. There's been 16 starting quarterbacks for the Browns since 1999. Since they came back into existence. Since the Browns came back into existence. Wow. How many of those do you think you can name? Oh, boy. And let's roll them off. Okay, let me try. Obviously, uh, wow. Am I really going to do this? Yeah, yeah okay. let's do it. This is let's great. Uh, Tim Couch is an yes. obvious number one. Um, Seneca Wallace. That would be correct. Okay, let's then go Brady Quinn. Correct. Let's go, obviously, uh, Colt McCoy. Um, Derek Anderson. Five. That's five. Let's go. Um, oh God, who's the one who took him to the playoffs? That one year with um, what was the name of that guy? Damn, I knew it would slip my mind. Butch Davis's guy. I got a few on my head. Go for it, Kelly Holcomb. That's the one Kelly, who took him to the playoffs. Kelly Holcomb. Yep. Charlie Fry. Yes. Kelly Holcomb brought him back from that Steelers game in the snow. Kelly Holcomb's the one who took him. To, he was their playoff quarterback. Charlie Fry. Very good. Yep. Charlie good job. Fry. That's seven. Chuck Fry. Chuck Fry. Are we stumped? No, no, no. I didn't uh, wake up today thinking I'd go through Cleveland uh, Brown. Jake, Jake Delhomme. Jake Delhomme. Nice. Eight. Um, there are people listening to this podcast right now, screaming in the car yeah, or absolutely. at their or at their. There's at least two that you. There's no chance that you will get. That's not true. No chance. Yeah. Tim Rattay. Uh, good guess, but no, he never actually started. Okay. He was a San Fran starter, but okay. he played for the Browns. Started a few games in San Fran. Who else? 
Okay. Uh, Ken Dorsey? Nice. Ken, that's a winner. Ken Dorsey did yes. not actually oh. start a game. Oh, oh, yes, he did. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. He that's was on there. He was that's on my list. That's before. nine. That's definitely. Nice pull. Underscore. You pulled that out of your All underscore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for right, it. We got nine. We're done. Bruce Gradkowski. Oh, of course, Doc that's B. 10. Right. Um, let's see. We said. You know, he, that's why Dion calls him Doc B. Because he looks like. Like Barty Ashera, right, our producer. Right. Doc nice. B. That's 10. He right. does. I, ne- I never Wait, realized that. Hold on. Uh, no one said Ty Detmer, correct? Oh, no. God, that was easy. <laughs> of course not. Right. Doug Peterson. Of course. Spurgeon win. Spurgeon win, everybody. That was the one. Dra- Spurgeon no, win, everybody. Drafted ahead of Tom Brady in, in the he's, sixth He's round. one of the Brady Six. In 2000. Yes. He's drafted in the sixth round in 2000. Spurgeon win. And, uh, Great name. Oh, Luke McCown. Luke McCown. Luke McCown. And uh, that's... Oh, our guy. Your, your old guy here. Now uh, ESPN invented the QBR. Oh, Trent. Trent Dilfer. Dilfer. Handsome Trent man. Dilfer. Dilfer. Yes. Was when was what starter. year was that? Trent Dilfer started for them in I want to say it was 06, but hold on. Love Trent Dilfer. Got to get him with you and Hasselbeck at the same That'll time. That'll be that's that I think that's when uh, worlds collide. Yeah. Worlds collide. Worlds collide and heads explode. I love Trent Dilfer. He started 11 games for them in 2005. There you go. Trent Dilfer. Things and, uh, that things that I forgot and Trent would probably like to like to forget. Yeah. Is exactly. that fifteen or sixty? Is that all sixteen? Uh, did, did you guys say uh, just Brady re- Quinn? Just, re- yes, just read the list off. Just so the full list is Tim Couch, Ty Detmer, Doug Peterson, Spurgeon, Wynn, Kelly Holcomb, Jeff Garcia, Garcia, Luke, oh, Luke Garcia. McCown, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn, Ken Dorsey, Bruce Gradkowski, Jake Delome, Colt McCoy, Seneca Wallace. There you go. 16 starting quarterbacks and, and 13 Weeks. And you'll have 17, 17 in week one. Yeah. Wow. And the new owners basically did uh, did the math and said that the Browns have had a, a new head coach every 2.8 years since they've come back into well, We were in existence. Canton when that news came down of the new uh, the new. Yeah, people there were excited. Ownership. Yeah. People there were excited. Absolutely. Unless, of course, they were, you know, but they were uh, I, I, at the event that I, I hosted, that Monday event that became the podcast last week, one of the people... Who I think it was the uh, the pastor who delivered the the uh, the prayer the pre meal prayer the pre meal prayer said go Browns and keep my Holmgren is what he said from from the podium <laughs> gotta love it when wow that's what he those... said well, and, he had uh, an audience he had an audience I mean look I have some college buddies who are Browns fans they are so as passionate. And then note to As some of those listeners, base. I know a lot of listeners downloaded that, that podcast. It, audio was a little rough because some of those Hall of Famers yeah. didn't hold the mics up to their mouth. And, it was a fun one. But it was fun, though. It was, it how was about when Willie Rofe said... Yeah, I, I drank a lot last night. Yeah, <laughs> And his voice was gone. Oh, was, yeah, his voice was gone. Brought the crowd down. It was great. Uh, is, you want to give away a Punters or People 2 t-shirt? Let's do it, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and bear with us as we're, you know, we're, we're scrounging for the inventory for the moment and then sending it out to people. Somebody was like, I didn't get my t-shirt. It's been 14 days and we're somebody, doing our best. We're doing our best. Somebody sent out the picture. We're, we're soon, the, we're soon, to, we're soon yeah, to get. Yeah, I think, uh, our, at RJ Ochoa sent. Yeah, we're, we're, we're soon to, we're soon to, yeah, if, if, by the way, right? We, anybody who gets it will be retweeted. And if you tweet out a picture of yourself wearing it, automatic retweet. Automatic, automatic retweet. By the way, Brian Anger had a. Pretty good first. Yeah, game. how about that? Yeah. Did you see that? He punted one, and then it was a turnover. Yeah. He's a weapon. Difference maker. He's a person, too, Rich. Dude. Difference maker. Brian Anger person. looked really good week one. I can't believe we he buried did. the lead on this podcast. All right. Um, do you want to do this, or do I do this? What, what have you, you, you do this one? Have at okay. it. Okay, here we go. Hold on a minute. I got to find, find it. Okay, I found one. The hashtag, punters of people, too, was sent to me. Perfect. But if you send it to me at Rich Eisen or you at Topher, T O P H E R Law, we got to get Alex Ali on that too. Yeah, and you at Chris underscore Brockman, which Indeed. is not your official name not, yet in the yet eyes of the state of California, <laughs> right. uh, or Maine, or Maine, and um, or at the Eisen Podcast. Yes, and then you follow at the Eisen Podcast if you win. And there'll be an exchange of information. Yeah, if you hear your name announced, be sure to follow at the Eisen Podcast, and uh, we'll direct message you okay. and get your contact Here info. Here we go. At JagsFan1991. Whoa. Appropriate. This strikes me as a young individual. 1991. 1991. Uh, your punter boomed it today, by the way. Two fumble recoveries off his punts. 
punters are people too. Perfect. Thanks. Then it Excellent. goes to a Jags fan. Goes to a Jags Perfect. fan. It's an anger fan. It's I love it. It works out completely. Excellent. Congratulations, Jags fan, nineteen ninety one. Let me see if you're. It's it just somebody named Jonathan in Jacksonville, Florida, with twenty nine followers. Maybe he'll get a few more now. Maybe a few more. There Perfect. you go. Uh, what else do we want to discuss? Anything? Um, the weekend's events. You want to discuss the weekend's events? Sure. Let's let, let's discuss the weekend's event. Well, let's discuss what what the whole premise behind it was. No, we were setting up. It's okay. No, no it's all right. It's all no? right. No, 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 no. It's no, all right. No, no, no. Oh. We had Brockman, and you you guys came over to the house for barbecue. We did absolutely. It was a great time. Your uh, lovely wife came as well. Yes, who has a new fan? And my in, son. And your son. <laughs> my four year old son. <laughs> And uh, what was it, it like for you guys to being around a four year old? What was it like? Are, are, are you around four year olds very, very often? Uh, Anytime we go to a, really. a function of, with her family, she's she's. She one said of she has nineteen nieces and nephews. Nieces and nephews. Yeah, she's your wife of, does. She's the youngest of eight kids. Yeah. Chara said smokes. she's got nineteen nieces and nephews. Yeah, so I mean, we're we're used to it and love hanging around them. But uh, I was specifically asked by Rich's oldest son, who's four years old to not come back next time, but only have my wife well, come back. Hold on a minute now. Hold on a minute. <laughs> he, and, he and your wife bonded. There's they no bonded. question about yes. it. Big time. And, and so did, same with you too, Brockman. Because well, everybody read him a story at the end of the night. Yes. And I do believe he told you, Chris Brockman, that he loved you. He did. He He's dropped it right in the middle of you reading it. Cat in the I Hat. Was right in the middle of Cat in the Hat. I was talking goes, about thing one and thing two. And and he, because, and because you know, I, you're both named Chris, I was calling you by your full name, so he would... Right. See, so he goes, Chris Brockman. <laughs> or, it took him a while to get the Brockman part. It, it was get Brockman. Brockman you're a Bra- you, were, you, you were all sorts of names. Yeah. Chris <laughs> Brockman, I, I love you. Oh, that's what he said. I drew the Come short end of that on. stick, though, because I got the fire truck book to read, which was not... As well, good your as wife had to go. She had to go, yeah. It was getting late. Right. His yeah. bedtime, he was up it against was it. We were up past. against it. We were, we were up against, up it. against it. it. Yeah, you didn't get Dr. Seuss. You got some, like, little fire truck. <laughs> got a little fire truck. <laughs> but <book>. it, <laughs> you, he, and your, he and your wife bonded. Yes. And he did say... Towards the end. He didn't say, you can't come back. No, no, no. He did say, next time... <laughs> you can just come over and not but he, did, a, uh, he but, did say and not chris and not <laughs> chris <laughs> and and this is the highest this is the highest praise he could give her and they could go to nate nows together and, and which what is, is it nate, nate nows which is a famous uh deli ah Oh, okay. Um, it's his spot in Los Angeles. He goes there. He goes there often. It's where he takes Not as much as Larry King goes there every day. God, you know, it's where Larry King has breakfast I, every day. I saw Larry crossing the street uh, right at that nine hundred two one foe place. Right, yes. right there. I saw him crossing the street the one day. Hello. He was probably heading to Nate Nails. Probably. But anyway, but, that is that is the highest price. It oh, is very good food in Nate Nails Deli. If you're ever in Los never Angeles, never been. Where is it? Try. It's on Beverly. Oh yeah, well, that, that's, he's a smooth operator. I'll tell you, he was he great. Oh, he was great. Was great. Kicked great. me to the curb. Great. So you both, out. you both read him a book. Yes. And again, granted, uh, your material, Chris Law, was not as potent. I mean, Doctor Seuss, you can't. Be. Look, I like to think the delivery is what brought it. That is. Home, it could be. Rich. Well, and not really, here's what we're going to do. New poll question. Ooh. New poll question. Who would you rather have read a book to your four-year-old, <laughs> Chris Law? Or Chris Brockman. Oh, boy. I'm not going to toot my own horn here, Rich, but I'm two for two in poll questions. Uh, the two for two being, what was the final tally? Do we have the final let's tally? check it right now, yeah. All right. Final tally of, of what would you rather do. The Hasselback was a no-brainer that I oh, was yeah, going well, to defeat Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Yeah. yeah, with our listenership. But the poll question on uh, our blog page, richeisen.nfl.com, was originally like, which would you rather do? Which would you rather do? Would you rather do what Chris Law did, which was hang with Aaron Andrews and and her lovely sister, Kendra, even though that wasn't part of the poll question, hang with the Andrews sisters, Aaron Andrews, at a uh, post-party after an Adam Sandler movie premiere, which is what Chris Law did, or would you rather do what Chris Brockman did, coming soon to a television near you, uh, shoot a, a cameo in a scene from The League on FX? And the poll question results as they currently yeah, it, stand. Yeah, uh, it it went from a seventy thirty in my favor to a resounding uh, switch in in Brockman's favor. It's now at forty two percent for me and fifty eight percent for oh, Brockman. Oh wow, wow! And most of the comments say it's a tough call, but 
All one, the bash out of one, Sandler one, one, No, no, no. One minute, one minute with uh, or a few hours talking to a girl or having yourself on television. Oh, gotcha. Infinity. They would rather do that. And a lot of love for the league in here, too. A lot yeah, of people that's say great. they love the show. Cool. Well. Okay. There you Can't have wait it. to see so it. So now here's the new poll question. Who would you rather read a bedtime story to your four-year-old? Chris Law <laughs> or Chris Brockman? I have a feeling this is... <laughs> oh, man. There you go. I know who Xander would vote for. <laughs> it's one nothing for Brockman. And it's because I, it's not because of the, the books that you read or how Brockman's delivery is that you are definitely not the favorite law in your household. No, right. definitely not. If, your, right, wife, way, your, wife, right. your wife. If the wife was on the... Seriously. If Chara was on the poll question, we'd both get routed. Yeah, you get routed. It, it might be a 100%, right, 100% to zero to zero. Even with the plus three or minus polling error. But right. next time this happens, we will we will make sure it starts earlier and we'll give you Dr. Seuss. There you go. Perfect. Chris Law. Perfect. I'm going to bring some Berenstain Bears for him. Even, or oh, you nice. Can't beat, like you that. can't beat the Dr. Seuss books. No. Yeah. We need an even playing field. I mean, I, I read the Lorax to him probably every night for a solid month and a half. It's all he wanted. He was jamming Yur- out to the Cars, the cars Yur- show. Yurtle the Turtle. I mean, yeah, car, Madagascar. He's a big fan, oh, too, right? Well, yeah, well, the Cars. Can't beat the Cars. Okay, that's it for this podcast. Later on this week, uh, we'll, we'll put another of the previews out. Maybe we'll do NFC East later this week. Yeah. And stay tuned for the international shout-out of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Come on. I I mean, I can't not do it at this point, right? Big thank you to Brian Billick, and thank you to you boys. Thank you, Thank you you for reading a story to Xander. Thank you for doing it. You got it. My pleasure. That's it. Peace out. Stay listening, friends.